And now, we'll fight's open mic. The Bass Jackers. I just came home, actually, from tour. Hey, guys, this is Phoenix Paul. Hey, what's up? This is Sean Frank. We'll fight's DJs and your favorite artists. Sophie Francis. Sophie, thanks for joining us today. Hi, it's super nice to join you guys. What's up, guys? This is Ahmed Van Buren. Now, open mic. Welcome to the Wolf Bites Open Mic Podcast. We've got a great podcast set up for you guys today. This was all recorded at the Breakaway Festival. We got Frank Walker, we've got Hugel, we've got Night Tales, and William Van Ordstel. It's going to be a great podcast, all recorded at separate times, but it's going to work together nicely. Let's get right into it. This is Midnight Mad Dog of Wolf Bites Radio, and we are here with Frank Walker. It's a big day for Frank Walker with the Breakaway Festival today, and we're also going to be talking about his song, I Go Dancing. No way you can get around that one. Nope. <laughs> um, number one hit, just a few months ago. It's still been top of the charts. Yeah. Um, how has your life changed since that song made it so big? Uh, it still doesn't really feel like fully real, to be honest. I think it went number one like three weeks ago, so it's like starting to like... Mm. It's still kind of going, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like it, there's always a bit of lag in this industry. Like I've offers coming in, but showing up to more shows, people are singing along more. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of knowing what to expect from a Frank Walker show. So, and I know that on Wolf Bites Radio, we have I Go Dancing almost every single hour. I love it is, that. It is still <laughs> like you, it is you. still probably number one on our channel. As you go to more shows, as you get tired from more shows, does are you at a point where it feels like just another part of your life, or is it still like this is all crazy, this is all happening all to me, and you're still like trying to figure it out? Uh, a bit of both. Like I've been touring quite a bit the last year, but it's a lot of opening with Kygo. Um, I have the same management team, so I'm on the road quite a bit. But now yeah. it's more like they're becoming more Frank Walker shows and less of a Kygo show or less of another artist I'm supporting. So it's fun in a way because like. I'm like able to shape the sound a bit more. It's not like I'm opening up and queuing up the night for someone else. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's changing definitely in a good way. Yeah. And I was thinking about that, like you're touring with Kygo, but was it at the same time that I go dancing was getting so popular or was it Kygo before this? Uh, before that. So I've had the same management team as him for about four or five years. So mm-hmm. uh, really started touring heavily with him. I had like a few shows before the pandemic, but coming out of the pandemic I was on his Vegas residency last year. So Played with them in Vegas, played with them in South America, uh, played with them a bit in Europe. So it's definitely uh, more and more shows with them as the music's also growing at the same time. Gotcha, gotcha. I was also thinking to myself, what is it that really makes Frank Walker unique? Because ever since you've released I Go Dancing, you've only had that one other song, uh, Waiting For, Waiting? Yeah, Waiting. Waiting. Yeah. Um, I want to see where those songs bring you, because I was also watching your music video. Your music video seems to kind of have a continuous story. What yep. do you think you want to do with that? Uh, so there's definitely more parts to it coming up. Um, there's a, there's one coming for waiting, uh, hopefully soon, where it's been the final touches of the music video. But um, yeah, I think it's like I'm working on my first album right now. Um, I Go Dancing was the first single off it, and yeah. uh, Waiting was the second. So kind of trying to elevate the project around that, doing a music video or a series of them that kind of tie together yeah. and make some more kind of special moments around the project Uh to make the album more special and have yeah. kind of more, more of a narrative on the visual side as well as the the musical side. Do you do you think specifically how you want a narrative to be going through the music also, or is it kind of just the videos that kind of bring things together? Um, a bit of both. Uh, for me, it's like more the production all needs to flow together musically. Um, I song write quite a bit, but if uh, a song lyrically doesn't fit perfectly in the album, I'm still going to put it out if I love the song. But yeah. definitely like I when I'm planning out a track listing for my sets and for my album, it's good to have like kind of a thematic flow through everything. Um, I like a lot of very like ballady lyric heavy yeah. 
uh, music videos in general. Uh, sorry, music like uh, in general, like on my songs. So yeah. um, if I can make a story flow through that album, that's the best situation for me definitely the best situation and you have very like kind of sappy lyrics in most of your lyric songs yeah. i'm a sucker for sappy ballady lyrics <laughs> i'll admit that is that is that what you kind of think this is frank walker or how do you kind of define yourself um for me i'm just more drawn to those lyrics in general i feel like there's you can get more like kind of like meat in the lyrics that people kind of will connect to in my opinion um opposed to stuff that's more like kind of not the pop music's bad, but sometimes it's very like yeah. kind of throwaway. So for me, like I feel like if I can connect more to the lyrics and other people can, I I kind of like that. And sure. as I'm working on this album and writing more, it's it's more like kind of like embracing those emotions. And everyone has like good times and bad times. And if you can write a song that <laughs> someone's like, oh, like I like I felt like that song really connected to me as I was going through something. I think that's such a cool kind of moment to experience. And I go dancing in general kind of has like a moment in itself. Like. Yeah. Um, you have the moment of like the breakup, but you also are wanting to have more. It's, it has a good story that you can, I think you can connect to it, even though it's kind of sappy and kind of. For sure. And then I was like, kind of like contrasting that with like melodies that are very uplifting and drops that are uplifting. And I want everything to be too dark. Yeah. Um, so I kind of like how those like kind of like, like kind of more sad, sappy lyrics and kind of contrast that with a very uplifting melody or drop. With all the success of I Go Dancing, have, has that kind of changed your songwriting in any way? Have you seen like, oh, we're going to take this element because it seems to be working so well? Uh, not particularly. I feel like I've been doing a style for a while that kind of lends itself to I Go Dancing a little bit, like I've been experimenting with. I'm yeah. definitely doing more of that style, but um, I feel like I've been kind of using that kind of like vocal choppy piano thing yeah. for a while. Um, obviously, I'm very inspired by Kygo because I'm with <laughs> him on the road all the time. And when you're with someone like 30 or 40 shows a year and I'm signed his label and his management team, <laughs> definitely there's a bit of like kind of cross-pollination that goes on between the two. Do you guys um, ever work together? Uh, not yet. I've remixed a few of his tracks because we're together so much for like his live sets. Yeah. I like hear like an original, like, oh, like <laughs> I want to try like, let me like, I think I have a moment for your set. So I remixed his track, Not Okay, uh, probably three or four years ago. I remixed his one mm. with Chainsmokers uh, family. Um, and I'll obviously share edits back and forth between our sets. If he's yeah. like, if I have a cool one, I'll talk to him and his team. I'll be like, hey, like this one might work better for your set because I'm an opener and I can't play because it's too heavy. So I'll trade that. <laughs> then kind of conversely on the other side, if like I hear something that's really awesome that he's playing, then I'm playing my own headlining shows. We kind of trade stuff back and forth. So it's a good re working relationship. Yeah, that is good. And when you're performing here at Breakaway, this is, you're, you're kind of your own entity, but you're also kind of in a set list of different artists. Um, how does a show like this change or compare to a show that you're doing right before Kygo or before another artist? Festival is always kind of interesting because I feel like it's you need to a, play for your own fans that you have there, but also you're making new fans. So yeah. it's always good to like look at who's on the lineup with you and make sure you're not playing songs that are those other artists' songs or songs <laughs> you know they play a lot because you don't want to like throw off their set. True. Uh, it's a kind of like common courtesy there. But also it's like you need to put on the best show possible because people are seeing you for the first time and you want to, I don't know, for me, I really want to show who Frank Walker is to fans that might not have heard of me before. Is there any particular song that you're looking forward to playing? Um, um, I got I Go Dancing in my set, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I think I might tease a new remix that I'm almost done. Mm -hmm. That's uh, It's not announced yet. So sure. I mean, I'll talk about it off air, <laughs> but uh, it's coming hopefully <laughs> next month. So I just got the master in. So I'm going to maybe squeeze it into my set and see how, see, it, it. see how it reacts. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I was also, while well, I was just shuffling through your stuff for several hours, um, the begging remix. How, when did that come about? Why is that so good? <laughs> um, it's interesting because it kind of blew up on TikTok, but the yeah. Maniskin version. Um, <laughs> right.
right around then, uh, Kygo's Norwegian, uh, Madcon, the original like artist from the yeah, version yeah. that I remix is also Norwegian. I didn't know that till they reached out to my team. <laughs> like, hey, we'd love for one of your artists on the roster to remix Begging. And I raised my hand up because I love the original song and yeah. jumped on it and, and put a nice little piano house spin on it. And it's doing well. I actually, when I heard the remix, I'm like, of course, everyone knows the song. But I was actually surprised that there was original version. I thought the main skin version was the original. Yeah, there's been like four or five big covers. I think the original was in like the 60s or something, mm. like 70s maybe. But it's like it's been redone four yeah. or five times now. Well, I was very surprised and very glad to see that on your set list. <laughs> Thank you. And I don't know if it's too old for you to keep playing. but No, I keep playing that one. It still goes off every, yeah. every show. So. <laughs> yeah. Is there any song that when you play this one song, you know, it always goes off? Uh, there's a few, like I always mix in a Navici track or two into my set cause I think he's like my favorite producer and he's a lot of people's favorite producer yeah, yeah. and he inspired me to get into dance music. So mm. always throw a Navici track or two in there cause they always go off cause everyone loves Avicii. Um, yeah. And then try to switch it up from set to set. So if people are seeing me again, they're not always getting the same show, but that's like a beach. always kind of a staple in the show. Do you ever th plan out your whole sets in the sense of, you know, these are the 30 songs we're definitely going to play. Um, it depends on the environment. Like clubs will kind of wing it a bit more because you never know what the crowd's going to be like. Um, sometimes you're going to a market you've never played before. Uh, so you kind of have to be like ready to be on your toes. Yeah. Like if I'm playing a two hour set, I'll come in with like four or five hours of songs I like and then bounce around in there. If I need to, I can jump to older set lists. Uh, festivals because they're more like tightly timed. Like I have like exactly 45 minutes today and you can't go over because you get cut off usually. And we yeah. have like special effects and stuff. So for today, I know like I have a better idea of what I'm going to play in my set. Um, just because like there's no real wiggle room to like. <laughs> to go over <laughs> that does remind me so right when i go dancing came out we we on wolf bites radio had a mix from you that you sent in i don't know if you sent it just to us or to many different radio channels um and i was supposed to be doing like commentary over it but we have this file has to be exactly one hour long and you sent it to us at like 59 58 <laughs> i know sometimes like several hours like i look if i'm like in ableton is a little bit over like i'll nudge the bpm up a tiny yeah. bit to get it just under 60 minutes because i don't want to be the person that goes over for that so yeah. i try to get it close it's not always that close um, that was one where i'm like i laughed when i bounced the file i'm like this is a little ridiculous yeah like, and i was supposed to give you like a big like hey this is frank walker i go dancing blah 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 blah, blah. um but i had no time to talk at all yeah. next time i send you guys a mix i'll give you a bit of breather room in there so you yeah, can talk man. and we definitely love to have mixes i know we have commercial free mixes from like nine to two and we would throw you in if you had it um amazing yeah. i'll yeah, send yeah. some more over reach out uh, sure. we'll get connected after the interview right on and um i think we're just about out of time Perfect. Well, not perfect. We're out of time. I, I got to run to do other <laughs> stuff, but thank you for having me. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk with me. And I'm it was great talking loving with you. that you're playing I Go Dancing a lot. <laughs> anytime anytime you want an interview, I'm free. <laughs> we play I Go Dancing literally every hour. Amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Midnight Mad Dog and with Wolf Bites Radio, and we are here with Hudgel. He just arrived back in America and performed in T Austin, Texas last night. He's going on to the Breakaway Festival in just about 45 minutes. Um, what is it like traveling all over the world and back-to-back um, -back shows? Well, um, that's the life I, I always wanted, mm -hmm. but um, it's a little bit tiring when, you, when you're living it every day, living at the airport. Yeah. It's like... Uh, I mean, it's amazing. Don't get me wrong. You you get to to see a lot, but you need to be trained because like uh, you don't sleep much, and it's like, you know, I'm becoming a pro at like um, micro napping. Mm. How much have you slept in the past like 24 hours? Uh, I had two hours before my set, two hours be after my set, and I had uh, one hour and a half before to come here. Right on. So, how long was the flight from? First, you came from Europe. You came down to s Texas. Uh, right? No, no, no. I um. So, so when I'm touring America, I'm based in Miami. Gotcha. 
So I went to Miami uh, two days ago just to, to bring back my luggage and stuff. Then yesterday I flew to Austin, Texas for the first time. Gotcha. Played the show yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and here we are, like now Charlotte for the first time too. Yeah, yeah. And I think your set is only an hour or so tonight or this afternoon. It's um, not even that. I think it's like 15 minutes. I saw that. I was minutes. like, damn, is that normal? <laughs> it's like super short. Yeah. Our, so now when you have a shorter set, you have a certain songs that you're like, I know I'm going to hit this one. I know I'm going to hit this one. Um, is it just kind of an improvised kind of set or is it like we know exactly what we're going to do for the next 15 minutes? No, no. I, I always do improvisation. But the thing is like, Let's be honest, I dropped out so much music last year that like I don't even know if I can play all my records in, in 15 minutes. Yeah. I'm going to play only my music, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I know you had a song that was released like this night or last night or something like that. Um, that was great. Um, you said on an Instagram post, I think, that you recorded that in Tamud, uh, Mexico. In Tulum. Tulum. Tulum, yeah. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been in Tulum for uh, doing like a, a kind of like spiritual retreat mm-hmm. uh, for a week, and I stayed in the in the jungle. Mm. Uh, we were sleeping like outside, like literally without walls and nothing, you know, really like in the jungle with the animals and stuff. I heard noise I never heard before. So oh. the jungle at night is very very uh, scary. <laughs> and uh, during this retreat, uh, we met some some shamans and stuff like that, and we did some some what we call ceremony. Mm. And they were playing some interesting music, uh, like the sample I used for doing that, that song. Yeah. So basically it's a bit special because um, they call that medicine music. It's the kind of music that, that was made for healing your soul. Mm. And I don't know, I got inspired and I was like, nobody never really turned this kind of song or this yeah. kind of music into a DJ record. Uh, and I wanted to try it. I wanted to see how it sounds. And when I did it, I posted it on social media. People were like, wow, this is this yeah. is amazing. This is new. This is crazy. And some people even started to call it like spiritual house. And I was like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> So we released and and that's it. Now we will see what the people... How many times have you played it in a club or whatever? How many times I played in a club? Yeah. I, I don't know. I can't tell you that. Like I, I mean, several times? Like a lot? I, I do that for 19 years though. Right. 19 no. years. Well, how, about, how about this song? How many times have you ah, played sorry, this song? Sorry, this song. I thought you yeah, asked yeah. me how many times I perform in the club. Uh, yeah, yeah. This song, I played it for like... Uh, a bit, bit more than a month now, I think. Gotcha. Yeah, even two months, I'd say. Right on. Because I have it ready since early March, and we are like early May, so yeah, it's been two months I'm playing it everywhere in the world. When you start playing it in a, in the club or any setting, do you see things that you want to tweak, and then you keep adjusting it over time, or is it kind of like, it's done, let's start playing? Uh, what, the record? Yeah. Usually I, 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 I try a version. Um, let's be honest, it's rare that like the first mix of the song is a bomb. Mm. when you play live you're always like ah the kick maybe this that the yeah, bass yeah. or like the vocal is, needs to be more in front or like whatever so yeah I do this I tried it uh, first I see the, the, the reaction of the crowd mm-hmm. um, if the reaction of the crowd is good then I start thinking about adjusting the mix and stuff like that gotcha and how was the reaction to the crowd like the first time you played it because it's quite a bit more chill than your other beats yeah yeah um, but it's, it's a closing track you gotcha know? Uh, I don't know if you have you been to Ibiza no, not myself. So I, I was living in, in Ibiza. Right and uh, basically this kind of music is really coming from there, right? So right. it's like, you know, you play long set, like extended set. And then is that in the middle of your set, you want to create a moment mm. and create some tension and like an emotional moment. So you yeah. want to play this kind of track. 
or you're going to maybe wait the end of the set and it's going to be like what we call a, a closing track, you know? Um, this has been made for that, you know? It's like when you when you finish the set, everyone had a great time and stuff and you want to say goodbye, but you want to play something very special that's going to yeah. touch the people. Uh, you know, most of the people are on drugs, shit like that. So <laughs> when you play something very emotional that can make them cry and, you know, you can really hit them with this type of record. So I really like closing set with this type of, uh, of songs. Right on. And so you think that kind of like just gives a better connection between you and the audience or just better connection between you and them and the music? Well, you know, when you play DJ set, you, you want you want to make them feel something, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when I play long set, I play extended set, it goes like to three, four, five hours, depends where I play, but it's like a journey, you know? So I'm taking you from somewhere and I take you to another place and I'd like to, to go in different emotions and different... Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've heard many DJs, uh, probably the most professional or success, successful DJs, talk about how, um, you know, the mixing itself is masterable, but really what makes the DJ great is its songs, their song selection. Do you think you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that because, like, um, you know, the art of DJing got lost a little bit uh, in the last 10 years. A lot of DJs nowadays are performing on big stages. They're not really DJs. They play, like, very short set, like one hour bangers after bangers. Yeah. But the real art of DJing, like I said, it's like when you play like three, four hours, something like that, and you try to tell a story. Mm. So you take the time, you know, and you really try to bring people somewhere, you know, when which is impossible to do today, but basically with 50 minutes, right, right. you know what I'm saying? Gotcha. When, <clears throat> how long do you think it took for you to really start telling stories well? Do you think that was something that was kind of lost at the beginning or has it always been with, with you? No, in the beginning, you, 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 you don't really get it. You need to practice. You need to play in clubs. You need to, to, to play with a crowd, a real crowd. It's something that you can't really work in, in your bedroom. You really need to yeah. have an audience. So you need to have gigs, so, which yeah, is yeah. complicated in the beginning because <laughs> you don't really have gigs. But I've been resident DJ for 10 years. Right. So I was playing uh, seven hours a night, four nights a week. Wow. So I had time to experience it, you know. <laughs> yeah. When you're a resident DJ at a certain club, um, do you end up seeing the same people a lot and you end up getting connections with certain people or is it kind of just, um, we're just playing to a crowd? Does that make any sense? Uh, well, like I said, I did that for 10 years. So I've met a lot of different people, right. different crowd, different, you know, the club had like different era, you know, some mm -hmm. some years the club was more like this and other years more like that, you know. So I really had the 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 chance to experience like different, different stuff in the, in the DJing art stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. And I'm sure that you also met the other DJs that were in the same residency. Yeah. Um, I was doing the booking as well. Cause I was also the director gotcha. of the club. So I, I was booking people. This is how I met like all the, the, the international artists for the first time. Um, it, it really helped me to, to, to get signed uh, mm -hmm. later, you know, it's very, very cool. Yeah. Well, we'll all be listening to that song. Um, Quatro Vientos? Cuatro. Cuatro. Viento. Viento. Gotcha. Definitely don't want to mispronounce that. Well, I'll be listening to that. I listened to it all over, all over this morning. It's a great little dancing track. Yeah, yeah. Great. It's, it's I can totally emotional. see that as a way to close it on any set. Right. We're going to do it today. Right on. So thank you for being with us. This is Midnight Mad Dog and Wolf Bites Radio. Thanks for having me, man. My pleasure. So this is Midnight Mad Dog with Wolf Bites Radio, and we are here with Night Tales. Night Tales is an Australian-producing duo of Camelisa and Aaron Bonnie. We're interviewing them over Zoom for this podcast. So 
we heard you guys had some technical difficulties, but you turned it into a dub, as you guys said. Um, what is your favorite song to perform? And if you guys aren't f- familiar with Night Tales, they perform their songs live. They have these drum pads, they're singing along. Um, what is your favorite song to re- perform um, at a concert? All of them. Yeah. <laughs> For me personally, I love the opener, only if it like really gives the crowd a lot of energy, and mm. we arrive pretty boldly when we play that. So that's a good starter. Gotcha. And I know that when listening to your music, you've got a good high energy to your stuff. However, you're also having very like intentional and kind of emotional lyrics. Um, what, where does, where did those two energies kind of, um, interplay with each other? And do you think that kind of works nicely? I think it's, um, so we both had previous, um, previous respective, projects which were quite emotional like cam has like a hip-hop and r&b um mm-hmm. project and i had um a project like more kind of emo pop and what we wanted to do is we wanted to move out of that lane and make more dance focused music but we still took a lot of that dna from both of those projects and morphed into night tales so we kind of see it as like sing songer writer over electronic music so there's always going to be on most of the songs apart from the new ones coming out it's literally like verse pre chorus verse that kind of stuff so yeah we're really passionate about songwriting we love telling a story in our music and that type of element is sometimes missing from dance music so Mm -hmm. it's good to add a little bit of that in there I definitely think it's missing from dance music. Like you can, anyone can jump and dance to like "I'm Good" by David Guetta, but when you hear like more of like the intentional lyrics of like "Patience" or something like that from you guys, um, I think that it really just connects differently with the audience. Do you do you feel much? How how much of a connection do you feel at your concerts with the crowd that you um, are showing off to? I know you had yeah, concerts last we, year. We recently did our, our debut album um, tour, Proof, back in November. Yeah. And that was really great because it was our first ever headline tour across the States. And, you know, we played in really small, intimate rooms, um, you know, between like, uh, you know, 100 to 200 to 300 people. And it was really great because, you know, we had some OG Night Tales fans and then people that love the new music and be able to interact with them and, and you know, bear our souls. And for them guys, for them to, to sing back to the music as well was really, really great. So, Were you talking with them after the shows and everything like that, interacting with the fans? Yeah. I mean, no, that's something that we that we definitely did. Um, we were really conscious of that. Like, we didn't want to be like the... the the, the artists that just like bounce after their set, yeah. literally go down, literally go into the crowd, you know, shake hands, take photographs, sign stuff, and just really like thank them for being a part of the journey. Of course. And do you still connect with um, fans and audiences through every, any like social medias um, after the fact, like, you know, in the months, pre- months afterwards? Yeah, definitely. Um, we've always got people in the DMs letting us know how much they really love the music and we try and take some time out of our day to respond to as many people as can because they're the ones that, you know, those fans that are really passionate about you, they're the ones that go and spread the message yeah. about the experience that they've had. So it's really important to us. I know on TikTok, um, you had a video recently. Um, you guys were just um, working on a song. I think you're just putting the whole production process on there. And um, the, the, the caption was, should we release this? Um, how many unreleased songs do you have planned in the near future or want to have planned soon? Uh, we've got lots. I mean, we pretty much kind of like, I know we just released our first album and 
I think the strategy moving forward is that we will just release singles until there's a time that the you know the the album will just happen organically. Mm. But me and Cam, the the beauty about the relationship here is we we write very quick. Mm. Um, we're able to if we really wanted to, we could write two songs a day. Like it's it's that quick. So we have uh, an an army of music ready to kind of go. Um, next song comes out in June, which is um, a song called Believe, which is an interactive song where we get the crowd to breathe in and breathe out. It's mm. kind of like meditative, chase your dreams kind of vibe. No one's really doing it. So we're actually excited to see wow. you know, how it goes. But we played it as our encore track for the tour. And then we played it as our last song at Breakaway and everyone seems to really vibe it and they 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 get it and they interact with it. So we're really excited about this song. And this is probably our first more straight up traditional dance song where mm. we still have Cam singing some vocals, but then it's more groove and everything else. So this is a, a nice little pivot for us. Mm, that's very interesting. When you say you both write very fast, do you write? Um, I know you each of you have individual, individual like solo projects, but for Night Tales, do you ever write songs alone and then send them to each other and say, "Hey, what do you think about this?" Yeah, for sure. We both um, equally love songwriting. Sometimes um, Aaron will have a project where the lyrics are, for the most part, done, um, and there's you know not left not much left for me to change. So I really enjoy that because it's almost like, um, that's what I'm looking for. It allows you to sing a song from someone else's perspective and try and uh, embody it with your own sort of feeling. So, And I'm sure you're given advice and you're given um, critiques and changes of what you hear and that the other person didn't hear. Um, so it all evolves that way. Yeah, I think it's kind of when we, you know, when we first got together, it was kind of like feeling out each other's kind of like process and and writing process. But now, kind of like pretty much aligned on stuff. Like it's very rare that we make any tweaks to stuff. Like if I send Cam a song and he writes the lyrics back, or vice versa, I'm kind of like this hits. Do you know what I mean? But then at the, what we try and do more now is we just try and get in the studio together and then finish the songs there. And if we need to do any tweaks or creative changes, then we both do it together. But we, it's any, any way is the right way for us. <laughs> very, very fair. Um, and do you both use Ableton as your primary DAW? No, I use Logic and Aaron uses uh, Ableton. Gotcha. Right. Yep. Interesting. Because I know I saw... Um, uh, on YouTube, you had a 15 minute video. You said, I'm going to make a beat in 15 or to make a song in 15 minutes. And, yeah. you know, it seems like you went from start to finish. Um, you might as well release that one too. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, I saw Ableton on there and I was just wondering. Um, I'm sure you both know the ins and outs of all the DAWs yeah. as you're working yeah. together. And I also saw, I saw on, on your YouTube page, you have this video that came out just three weeks ago. Um, of course, you're performing on that um, big rooftop terrace or whatever of um, L.A. Oh, yeah, the helipad, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very, very cool. You individually sliced out every single song. When you released Patient, you tagged that one as, or you made that one your channel-like theme or whatever. Like, this is, or we are Night Tales. Do you, do you recognize that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was, so how much of an intentional choice was it to choose Patient as the We Are Night Tales video? I think we just try and rotate our songs as much as possible. Like before any type of post, 
we have a chat with our internal team, mainly our manager, Harrison, and we all just think about, you know, which song needs some love, which, mm. again, which song sort of matches the pace and the feeling of what a promotional video might be like. Or So it really varies. We just basically try and keep it on rotation. Gotcha. Yeah, and patience kind of like is, is, is more of the... Uh, I think how is how how night sales is. It's kind of like we we live in the electronic world, but we really pivot across the spectrum. So you got take songs like Phoenix, which is probably more progressive, high energy, mm-hmm. and then you go to something like Friends or Patient, which is the more chilled side of us. And then we've got some other songs that will sit in between. So we 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 don't want to be boxed into a place where oh, these guys write deep house music or these guys write progressive. It's kind of like we're electronic act in the dance space that can pivot across all these like subgenres, you know, in electronic music. Yeah. And each of you individually has a totally different style too. Like I know Cam's personal page is mostly hip hop, mostly R and B kind of stuff. And um and Bonnie had, so Aaron, you had a solo come out um, very recently on your own page. Um, I've got the feeling, um, which is separate from your third floor solo project. Um, yeah. The, the, I've got the feeling was a very house kind of track in some sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. So is it a problem or is it like especially exciting or inspiring to have so many different styles all interacting at the same time? I mean, it's, it was never, it's not intentional to have like, you know, so many projects out. I mean, third floor at the moment is parked and done. Gotcha. Um, the Banny stuff was like with night sales, it's really emotional. So me and Cam like draw from all our experiences, life experiences, whether it be relationships, friends, family, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, even though the songs might sound kind of exciting, there's a lot of like, you know, a lot of like soul and vulnerability that goes into those music. So to do the Danny stuff, like the I Got The Feeling is such a fun departure from that. It's gotcha. literally, you just, you just press play on the music. It's not, it's not too deep. And that was the intention just to, just to vibe out with Night Tales. It's really a journey. You can listen to the song three or four times and have different feelings about the songs because we're speaking about all these different subject matters. Yeah. And I guess for me, it's just, um, ex- expressions, different expressions and different energies that, uh, you know, we might like, I don't always want to turn up at the club, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's good to, you know, write something a little bit softer. And then, you know, there are other times where I just want to go out and party. So, you know, it's just honoring those different parts of our personalities. Yeah. And I know and you described your night tales page as like, we are writing real life or we are writing real people's experiences. Um, are you writing your own experiences? Are you writing people that you know's experiences, all of the above? Yeah. For me, um, during the songwriting process, a lot of a lot of what uh, we wrote about on the Proof album were real life experiences that I had with um, previous partners. So uh, definitely draw from real life experience. And you know, if you are being a little bit more imaginative in the songwriting process, you can bet that you'll probably end up experiencing that type of emotion at some mm. point in the future. So yeah, it's just drawing from wherever. Yeah. Um, one last section I want to talk about was your well-versed writing camp that you guys were a part of, um, just a few weeks ago. Um, I think that's very important to you guys. So I definitely want to get your, um, talk on, um, like what were some of the experiences you had, who were some people you met and were able to talk with and speak life into at that camp? 
Yeah, well, it's great. So it's it's great that YouTube are doing this initiative for the Black Voices, like really giving Black artists, you know, a, a platform and the tools to get their music out into the world. And just to be a part of that with, you know, great artists and producers was amazing. We specifically worked with a guy called Chico Curly Hair, mm -hmm. who is half American and where's the other place was he from? I want to say Panamanian, pa Panama, Panam. How do I say that? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah. And so basically like, and he was great and he, we brought some of our electronic, you know, um, production into his world, but he was really great because he was able to flow between Hispanic, you know, Hispanic, um, lyrics and, and English lyrics. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And that changed the dynamic of the, the percussive way the vocals were, which mm -hmm. then made us go, Oh, we'll learn something new now because these words can add percussive elements to the songs. Mm. But and, it, and it showed that music is truly universal because when he was writing his top lines or, you know, humming them, you know, it just came from somewhere within him, you yeah. know, we do the same thing. It's like, sometimes when we're, we're trying to figure out what the song is talking about, you're, you're rhyming essentially in like gibberish. It's kind of like from the subconscious. So that was cool to hear that process in Spanish. It was yeah. awesome. That is very interesting. I was just having an interview with um, Hudgel, who is um, also speaking Spanish in all of his songs. Or I don't know if he's the he's the singer. He's just a producer. But um, I did also recognize that, like, how often do you collaborate with American artists? How often do you are English speaking artists? Um, and I recognize that he was able to bring in lots of different perspectives and different um, ways of writing, depending on who is he, who, who is he, who is he interacting with yeah we're pretty adaptable we enjoy writing with all different styles of people um we've got a bit of a target list that we want for our next releases so fingers crossed that can happen um our publishing team at ultra they're always sending us different artists and stuff that we can work with but another you know we're pretty insular you know we do a lot of it ourselves but you know if it fits it fits yeah, it's kind of like, I mean, even though we've in the past got compared to Rufus quite a lot, which we're trying to move away from, it's not intentional, but you see they, they very rarely collaborate with anybody. They might collaborate on the writing space, but in terms of features, there's not many. Um, and obviously for us, it's just trying to establish more of like who we are as Night Tales, but as we grow and expand, then those collaborations and opportunities will, will come up and then we'll make sure we pick the right... We, we can't say who we're writing with now, but with one of the next songs that we have, we have a UK English rapper on one of the songs. Gotcha. So that's starting to kind of like spread the collaboration and have more of an international feel. So we're really excited about that. That's very cool. And I know you have that um, Vogue interview or um, article that talks about bridging the gap between um, urban styles or urban life and the electronic world. So I think that you can say that you're doing that through those international artists too. Yeah. That was Forbes, by the way. Forbes. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Like hip hop, urban culture, black culture, whatever you want to call it. It's part of our DNA. You know, we both grew up listening to a lot of hip hop. Um, so yeah, it, we won't leave us, you know, and it never definitely shouldn't. Um, <laughs> It's been great talking with you guys. Um, I have to move on, but it was very great meeting you guys. And I wish that we were in person because you seem like great guys. Legend, man. Thanks for your time. Thanks so much. Of course. Thank you. Enjoy. Take care. Bye. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Midnight Mad Dog on Wolf Bites Radio. And I am right here with William Van Olsen. 
Olson. Van Orsdale, but Van close. Orsdale. I will do it all over again. No, no, no. You, you got to keep that. In, William. You got to keep that in Orsdale. the show for sure. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It's it's uh it's a long one. Van Orsdale. Van Orsdale. Yeah. I was expecting um like Dutch because it is Dutch. It is Dutch. Yeah. Awesome. I know I had a lot of friends back in Southern California where I lived originally. Yeah. Um, Van anything is Dutch. Yeah. So it's actually it's essentially. Uh, a thousand years ago, it's where you're from. So van means like of. Uh, so when you say it in English, it actually sounds super legit. William, I'm William of Orsdale. So I'm essentially a prince. Basically, a lord of the region or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Well, how long have you been the lord of social? There you go. Of what a, what a transition. What a transition <laughs> there. Um, I've been with the group for five years. So I uh, looks like we're we got dinner time, but. I think we'll be fine. Um, yeah, so I've been with PSG for five years. Um, I met Adam in Charlotte, where I'm from, obviously where we are, uh, 2018. So essentially, I guess it's four and a half years. It feels like 20. <laughs> a lot's changed. Um, a lot hasn't changed, but a lot of stuff has changed. Am I allowed to curse, or is this like a family program? We will probably bleep it out, but okay. feel free to curse. Okay, cool. I almost said and there I said. <laughs> we've had several um we've had several artists today that curse we've had several <laughs> artists in the past where we've joked about hey don't curse um yeah so i met the group uh being from here i was in the entertainment space i was in the broadway world before i met adam um i was taking broadway out of new york and like sending it across the country hmm. hamilton and all that kind of stuff you know and i sort of understood the value of these smaller markets when you're here, this is a big city, but when you're not from here, it's like a, you think Charlotte's just some redneck town in North Carolina. So, <laughs> um, you know, I kind of saw and understood the value of like premium premium programming and A-list uh, names coming to these smaller markets mm. and like the impact that it has on the culture and, you know, how m- much people are from these type of cities, the Tampa Bays, the Charlottes, the you know, Columbus, Ohio's, et cetera. They're humans that want to have fun like everybody else. And unfortunately not everyone can live in New York where there's right. something to do every night, a Broadway show to go to every night. So, um, I was sick of wearing suits <laughs> and dealing with a bunch of old, old people in Broadway. And, uh, Adam and I just kind of met, hit it off as, as friends. And then, you know, are super synergistic, uh, business wise. So we've been kind of making magic happen ever since. It definitely feels like magic as you're just kind of, you're chilling. As you walked in here, I was expecting like a suit and a board meeting to get ready, but you're coming here joking around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, that's very chill. I can tell the entire event is meant to be chill and fun and happy. Yeah. Is like how much of that is just like, Hey, we're going to make this totally people centered. It's going to be as amazing time for everyone. Yeah. The beauty of entertainment is it's a shit show all the time behind the scenes. Um, but I think no matter what it is, whether it's a football game or a Broadway show or a music festival, your job as the company that's producing it and doing it is to essentially hide that from fans. Um, not hide, hide's a bad, has a bad connotation, but sort of shield fans from like, it's like a duck swimming, right? As it's gliding across the water gracefully below its legs are going nuts. There's mm-hmm. something nipping at its feet, you know, whatever. Um, but our job is to just show fans like that top of the water. Um, so when they get here, they don't know that 
you know, something on the stage went up a minute before doors opened or whatever. They just show up and it's a cool venue and artists show up and, and get on there. So, yeah. Do you enjoy these days? Do you have a good time at the crowd or is it best? I mean, it's why we do it. You, you literally, you grind, like we work hours and hours. Most people only see the fun part. Like our life is fun because we chose to do this world, but it's also just a, a big grind. And so coming here and like seeing the fruits of your labor, <clears throat> you also are able to sort of, you know, unbutton the shirt a little bit and have some fun right. in the process. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's the biggest reward is looking out like last night, there was 20,000 people here looking out in the crowd and there's nothing but some, people had smiles like plastered to their faces. <laughs> um, and so it's so cool to just, be able to like, essentially you're creating a place where people can then build lifelong memories with their best friends. They can meet their potential future wife. Like all these awesome things are happening in real time. And it's all because of the hard work that we do. So it's right really on. cool. Have you seen, have you seen like major transitions in terms of, um, breakaways getting bigger? I know you, I know so, Prime oh, yeah. social has all different venues that they do. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, so it's actually all, so Prime Social is essentially like a legacy brand. Breakaway, we're kind of everything we're doing is breakaways forward. Um, So kind of in the next little bit, like PSG will always be a part of the, you know, DNA of what we do, but public facing, consumer facing, business facing is kind of all breakaway. Gotcha. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's been insane. I mean, just coming here, this event started in 2017 in Charlotte as a small one stage, like probably four or 5,000 people in a gravel parking lot yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and it was like little Dicky and actually Zed who's playing tonight. Uh, we're headliners, which is big, but it's, yeah. you know, so going from a tiny parking lot adjacent to uptown to now you're in a massive yeah, you NASCAR need place to yourself. Yeah. You're in a massive NASCAR, uh, venue and you got two stages for 30 to 40 artists over a weekend, like mm-hmm. massive, massive, massive names. It's, um, it's really cool. And then the, the experience itself for consumers is, is night and day. Like we now have multi-level VIP deck. We now have, you know, a bunch of really cool brand activations. There's a Ferris wheel, there's a roller skating rink. There's a freaking gel blasters, like uh <laughs> range out there. Like it's, it's a ton of fun. So right. it's cool seeing the growth again, like going back to the, the rewarding part it's fun like year over year to just see incremental changes that like when you look back over five years it's actually like night and day at this point which city is the biggest breakaway this one location yeah charlotte's charlotte i think we kind of caught lightning in a bottle here there's um there's been a huge you know i'm from here i grew up in Cary, um but for the past 20 years like this city's gone from a yeah yeah had bank of America as uptown to now it's like an actual proper city you had in the past, it was like moved to Atlanta as a big city in the Southeast. Mm-hmm. And now Atlanta is kind of the third choice, maybe even fourth choice behind Raleigh, Charlotte and, and Nashville. Um, so I think like, and we came here at the right time where there's no other competition. That's sort of our, our DNA is coming to markets that don't have anything like we offer. Um, so this will continue to grow. I think we'll come back here five years and there'll be like three or four stages here with like 30, 40,000 people, maybe a main stage on the drag strip. Who knows? Do you think about going three days instead of just two? No, I think we found these smaller markets, you know, 2 million Metro or less. It's, it's a lot, it's super taxing, 
to get people to come party three nights in a row. Yeah. Um, every time we've done it, we've seen the Sunday show is like half of normal size. Makes sense. So it monetarily doesn't make sense and it's taxing on the staff and Mm -hmm. it kind of knocks your whole entire business back a few days because we already give people Monday off from a Saturday festival. So you're talking about starting a work week like Wednesday. So we've kind of just shot that, shot that one down. That's fair. I'm thinking about just expanding in general. Do you have other cities that you're going to be starting up? Yeah. Uh, not at Liberty to say which, uh, but definitely, you know, we're in six markets this year, seven total festivals. We're in six markets. Um, this year we just added Boston, which we're super excited about. Um, and we also added uh, six weekends in Mexico. With, it's called Spring Breakaway. Gotcha. So Spring Break and then away is in parentheses. Um, <laughs> that was a little brainchild of mine. It's been fun, <laughs> fun to kind of figure out how to like scale the brand. But yeah, I think ultimately we'll be in a ton of cities with Breakaway. Yeah. So it'll be a full kind of year-long tour. Right now it's mostly on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got San Francisco as our little outlier. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering like how that works going more south more to the west or there's even smaller cities in the midwest or in the yeah yeah. in um even like around colorado or something like that but you've probably got to find a balance between how many people you can draw yeah yeah we uh, i mentioned the two million person metro it's kind of you go look around the country you know there's a ton of cities there's seattle there's phoenix there's austin there's dallas there's tampa you know, the list goes on of, of places that make a ton of sense for us to be with that don't have much competition. Um, Boston's a perfect example. There was no music festival during the entire calendar year. There's over a million college students within, within the Metro area. There's a huge population of young professionals. So we kind of just look at it holistically across the country, what makes sense and, and geographically what makes sense for our staff and for, um, the brand itself. So, we got some westward expansion. We, we'll be in the middle of the country. We'll stay heavy in the southeast. We'll keep going northeast. We'll be international more than just Mexico. We've got big plans. I'm impressed and surprised and and so glad to see how business-minded you seem to be, but also you're just casual. You're just yeah. a fun guy. I like to think I blend both the fun world and the business world. I can I can come out here and, and do my thing, and I can walk into a boardroom in New York and kind of own that <laughs> as well. So. It's been fun, for sure. That's very right. Um, this has been great. It's been great to meet you. Yeah, likewise. Um, I don't think we've ever had like a CEO, or you're not a CEO, vice president of any company um, on <laughs> Wolf Bites Radio. But we're uh, we, uh, music. Well, that'll change. In, uh, it's actually not even my title, but it's all good. Uh, it's just what's on my LinkedIn, I think. But um, but yeah, no, I think uh, you know, I think you got you're, you're doing your thing. I think it's important to like continue just doing it you know people the hardest part for anything is just starting and so i commend you for you know going for it because everybody has ideas but they don't act upon them and so it's all about like getting the momentum and then once that starts it kind of just continues to snowball and so you know kudos to you i'm not quite sure if you reached out to our team or how it worked but um yeah we're excited to have you here and hopefully in a few years you know you've got a few million listeners and we're doing this (laughs) We're doing this on the main stage or something cool. That would be great. I am ashamed to. What's your name? Wolf Dog? Mad, Maddox. Midnight Mad Dog. Midnight Mad Dog. I'm a part of the Wolf Fights Radio Midnight team. Mad Dog. I hope to one day have that cool of a nickname. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's a 
kind of a brief story, I guess, about my name. I was just going to be Mad Dog at first. And then my radio DJ put, or my the head DJ of our station put me on at midnight. And I thought <laughs> the way he wrote my name, I thought it was Midnight Mad Dog. He wanted to change it or yeah, something yeah. like that. And I just saw and it and it, I'm like, and then it stuck. That's cool. It's the thing about nicknames, they just stick. Yeah. Once, well, you, once you get dubbed <laughs> once, there's no going back. We, I don't we, know if he actually dubbed me though. I think I just <laughs> you dubbed, dubbed myself. Yourself. So we had, it we stuck. had a kid named uh, we we named him Tuna. One of our one of our uh, pledges in college, and he was Tuna forever. Another time we just decided some kid looked like Steve and his name was like <laughs> Nick and we called him Steve for the rest. To this day, it's like 10 years later, he's still Steve. So you're now Midnight Mad Dog for life. I'll be Midnight Mad Dog forever. <laughs> um, cool, man. Well, thanks for having me. Great to have you. Hope you guys like that podcast with all those artists and even the vice president of Prime Social. Make sure you follow us wherever you find podcasts on the Wolf Bites Open Mic podcast. And you also can find us on Wolf Bites Radio on YouTube. See you guys later.